and welcome back to Hey Look Listen. My name is Liam Sheehan, joined here again by Kevin O'Carroll. Hi, Liam. How are you doing, mate? Kev, I've been doing this podcast for about a year and a half now, give or take. But it comes a time when you have to just set all pretensions aside and just like do the thing that all video game podcasters strive to do, Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a ritual, a rite of passage, I think, at this stage. It's a rich tapestry of video game history no actually the reason why we chose this topic is because yeah we want to talk about crash we both love crash i you know i'm not slinging no shit at crash but he does kind of branch out into like different topics that we're going to get to hopefully we'll see how that goes right yeah for sure but before that are you playing anything so i have started a new job recently and i've also got (laughs) yeah it's not a video game no one wants to hear about it kev i know but we also got a new kitten Yay, so, everyone wants to hear about that. <laughs> so basically, every free moment I've had in the past couple of weeks has either been spent sleeping or talking in a baby voice telling the cat how good it is. Um, <laughs> so I haven't really had time to play anything. Oh, that's I have, okay. I have been watching something. It's like a, like a real-life Let's Play. My partner, Sarah, has been playing the excellent Disco Elysium. Ah, yes. And... Um, I played that game when it first came out on PC on my laptop that just couldn't handle it. And I got about halfway through before the choking got too much and I had to had to stop. And then I played it when it finally released on console. I played it on the PS5 and I played it at release. And it was super buggy at release. There was uh, quest breaking bugs. Like you couldn't interact with items that you need to complete quests. Um but I still I played through it and absolutely loved it, even despite that. Now watching Sarah play it, seeing the sort of the the mostly finished, mostly bug free version of it, I think it might be just my favorite. Yeah, game just just the best game. I love it so so much. Just that's it. Just best game. Full stop. I think it might be. I think it might be the best <laughs> writing in a video game. The best narrative. The best characters. The best dialogue. The gameplay is like kind of point and clicky mixed with tabletop RPG stuff. So I don't know. It's it's either this or I don't know the original Doom. <laughs> you have both both two sides of the same coin in a way that the coin that is video games and the vast array of different genres that it contains. Yeah. I'm hopeful that I can at some point talk you into playing it and maybe Owen too, and at some point down the line we can have a chat about it because I I genuinely think it might be my favorite video game jeez or should i say jeepers but you know what while you were talking there my brain cogs started turning kev and mm. this is like you know this is honestly just this is just just come, come to mind now remember when we were doing our um indie game game one yes episode and i was like there's one game i really want to do an episode on i, I was going to do one game in that list but i wanted to save it for a whole episode oh yes yeah i the believe secret that game yeah i believe that game personally contains maybe my favorite writing ever in a video game so I'm not promising anything. We're literally just we're literally just like um, rapping here, but mm-hmm. maybe we could combine an episode and you can talk about Disco Elysium and I can talk about my game, which I still refuse to admit what it is. Absolutely, really, yeah, sounds know, fantastic. Kind of two indie game kind of um, story driven indie games. Fantastic. See, this, this is what we do here at Halo. Listen, we we produce the content, but you know we just make future content while we're like making it. It's it's. Mm. Yeah, it's possibly complex. It's it's very off the cuff. It's kind of it's like <laughs> improvisational comedy, except less annoying. Hopefully, 
<laughs> I, I, I think more annoying if anything I, 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 I think to, so I have, edit the, I have to edit these things man it's incredibly irritating incredibly irritating hour of my life but no I'm okay enough of that I um I played the return of Monkey Island um, yes finally and? yeah I I um I, I I really liked it I think um the, the controversial art style that everyone was kind of hating on before the game came out I think will be but a footnote in the things that are controversial about this game spicy <laughs> that monkey island fans will probably talk about for years all like 150 of us but uh no monkey Island, no monkey Island is, is, is huge in a, in a niche kind of way but um i you know okay i'm not going to talk about it that much because okay. um all, all i'll say is that monkey island after the fourth one and after the fifth one monkey island disappeared for a decade in the case of after the fifth one a decade plus and those were the periods when we thought oh that's the end of monkey island there's no more monkey island if if this really is the end of Monkey Island, the sentiment it ends on is the first time I've ever felt fine to let it go. Do you know okay. what I mean? Yeah. Fine to like that's like I I have some hot takes about the whole thing. I have some opinions, sure. but in terms of the sentiment of the ending, I'm like perfect. You think in, goodbye, in that goodbye goodbye in Monkey that scope Island. at least? You think they they stopped the landing? I do. Yeah, even though it's something I had to ruminate on. What I actually did, Kev, was I uh, after I played it, I. Went back. I replayed all the entire Monkey Island franchise. I did all six of them. Yeah, so it um, took you about forty-five minutes, was it? No, I took no because I I really like rinsed them like a wet towel. I wanted to do every dialogue because these these are like I, I, honestly like I'm very sentimental sentimental about this franchise. They mean a lot to me growing up. You know, I just I just like being in them, and I wanted to kind of almost like say goodbye to them, kind of give them yeah. one more, give them one more go, just kind of do them all back to back, see how it stands up as a as a franchise now that it's possibly probably a complete franchise yeah. and and uh it's a weird franchise of, of ups and downs um different creators and different voices but uh, in a really kind of um i was just talking about well we should do a disco elysium slash my game thing but in a, in a kind of um arrogant not arrogant but in a kind of a greedy way i, I really want to do an episode of this because I played all six of them and I was like, you know, I have a meager podcast. I should use it for the things that I want to use it for. I want to do an episode on all six Monkey Island games, but I okay. want to do it. I want to do it by myself, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely crack on, mate. I've played one and a half of them. They're pretty yeah. good. That's, that's about, as we heard on the uh, Secret of Monkey Island episode, that's about all I have to contribute to the conversation. <laughs> but we, yeah, like you said, we did a Secret of Monkey Island episode. We did like a bunch of walking sims last week. So even though there's probably monkey island algorithms shooting through the internet right now i just don't feel ready to um do another episode of monkey island i want to do other yeah. stuff for a while but someday in the future that i definitely want to do i want to get all my thoughts out in this franchise it's just extremely important to me and it's probably done 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 for done ever now awesome i um, look forward to both listening to it and not having to record for a week yeah exactly you know, fucking kick up your feet you know play with the kitten you know yeah just chill out but um, let's move on to the main topic, which I'm very excited mm. about, which is one you suggested, Kev. Is it okay to say that? I think that's fair to say. You suggested it while we were chatting over webcam, while you were wearing your Crash Bandicoot t-shirt, mm -hmm. your Crash Bandicoot uh, baseball cap. Behind you was some kind of glowing Crash Bandicoot lamp that looks very, very kind of quiche. Very oh, nice. that's not a lamp. That's a <laughs> well, toy. Oh. <laughs> why, does, why does his nose move? Oh, that, I get it now. I understand. But Kev, I'm sure everyone knows that Crash Bandicoot is a video game franchise originally developed by Naughty Dog as an exclusive for Sony's PlayStation console. It has seen numerous installments created by various developers and publishers on multiple platforms. The series consists predominantly of platform games, but also spin-offs in the kart racing and parody game genres. Now, Crash Bandicoot was really important for me because Crash Bandicoot was the game that made me decide that, hey, maybe this PlayStation is okay. Mm. 
because little Liam was very anti-PlayStation when it came into our house. It came into our house with um, Wipeout uh, and Mortal Kombat 3. Uh, Both cool games. For sure, yeah. I'm I'm not good against, but I liked big, colorful uh, mascot platform games when I was a kid. I liked Sonic the Hedgehog. I liked, you know, Earthworm Jim. Do you know what I'm saying? So I, it wasn't yeah. until, it wasn't until we got a demo. I don't think it was demo one which came to PlayStation. I think it was another demo we got that had a playable level of Crash Bandicoot. I was like, hold on, hold on here now. What's this? Who's, this? Who's this lovable ragamuffin? What's your history with him? Um, yeah, so it's something I was kind of thinking over before coming to this recording. Is, is I would always have considered myself a big Crash fan. And then kind of in doing a bit of research before this chat, I had a look at like the full list of published games. And I realized that I probably like love four out of about 20, like yeah. another one. <laughs> and the, f- the four that I love all came out in like the first three years. In about yeah, tw- maybe. 20 plus years since. Yeah, but maybe it's, it's, it'd be good to kind of say now that, you know, anyone, any, any potential Crash fans find like mega Crash fans finding this podcast you and i aren't really equipped to talk about anything beyond the playstation one i'd say yeah and even the, I, the ps2 games which i'm pretty sure i owned and played and finished i don't i definitely played remember. that first one wrath of cortex i think it was called yes i remember th- i remember being pretty um kind of uh, tuned out at that point i think when when Cra- when naughty dog stopped making crash bandicoot games i kind of you know lost the flavor you know mm, yeah for sure but the crash um, flavor which i think would be mango because of those little fruits he collects. The little wampa fruits? Fucking you, think you think they're mango? Look at you coming on here like, oh, I don't know much about Crash, and you're, and you're just throwing a wampa, wampa, I think, is it? Wampa? That's what I said. Oh, right, yeah. I think said don't call me question my wampa fruit game. Let's just keep talking about wampa or wampa for the rest of this episode. I think we can get about a good 90 minutes out of that. Uh, question number two, what's the name of the mask? Aku Aku? Oh, fucking brilliant. It's not a quiz, sorry, but that's two <laughs> out of two. Well done. Excellent. <laughs> Um, so yeah, my history with it. Basically, like yeah. yourself, I was uh, a little platformy boy, jumping around the place, except not actually moving in real life because I was a fan <laughs> of the um, But yeah, I, my first console was a uh, Mega Drive. And Same. I think one of my first games was Sonic. And I just kind of got into making the little colorful man move. was kind <laughs> of my way into video games. Um, and then after that, I had an N64 and played Mario 64. I was like, then I was into making the Colorful Man move in 3D. And then um, our house was burgled sometime in the mid-90s. Is this true? Like, yeah, yeah. Oh. No cap, as the kids would say. Unlike Mario. <laughs> uh, we do have fun. Oh, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> our house was burgled, and the N64 got nicked. Oh, clousy. Um, and my parents thinking that video games are video games got me a PlayStation as the replacement. Oh, there's something kind of sweet about that. They just wanted to give you, um, replace what you lost, you know? Yeah, exactly. No, I'm, and I, I don't begrudge it at all because I think it sort of was massively formative to my sort of child Kev's video gaming brain. But yeah. um, but because I was a platformy boy, as soon as I got the PlayStation, the first thing I wanted to track down was a colorful platformer. Mm-hmm. And that was the first Crash game, and I devoured it. I was obsessed with it. I yeah. like hundred, like completed hundred percent, maybe every second week, just starting over and doing it again. Um, 
absolutely adored it and like played and loved the the sequels as well whereas that first one in particular is kind of it's a sort of i don't know uh, like a core memory of mine or something <laughs> just sort of just me sat there with a original playstation controller no no analog sticks just obsessively jumping my way through do you remember the level um uh road to nowhere oh god yeah yeah the that that bridge level it's just a, it's just a straight line all you're doing is just timing jumps some people cheat on that level by jumping up on the railing rather than going on the rickety um, planks. And I think people who cheat and go up on the railing um, all can, can't save their marriage in, in their adult years. I think there's been studies on that, all right? Yeah, I just think yeah. you've got to face, it, like in life, life, life's trials, you've got to face those levels by jumping on the rickety planks and timing everything. Yeah, I think that was actually in a deleted scene from Marriage Story, wasn't it? <laughs> it would be way better if Marriage Story was all about Crash Bandicoot. And yeah, you, you you can't even do whole hog. Never mind wild hog. <laughs> I, that was my ad, that was my Adam Driver. Yeah, or Scarlett Johansson. I don't know whichever one, whichever one the, the listener wants. But it was, what's really interesting about um, Crash Kev is like he's so on the forefront of, of that stepping stone from two uh, D games into three D games. Yeah, yet in the annals of history, he doesn't seem that important in comparison to like Mario 64, which came out in the same year. And Mario 64 was like much more revolutionary and it was much more about um, 3D exploration and navigation and, you know, uh, had an analog stick and it was Nintendo really kind of experimenting with the notion of 3D games. But I think Crash has been kind of sold short because A, it's not trying to be the same thing that um, that uh, Mario 64 is. It's not trying to be quite as big a leap as a stepping stone into yeah. kind of 3D gaming. It's still very much a kind of very um, uh, timing-based, you know, muscle memory-based, in essence, 2D platformer. Yeah. You know, in essence, although for the majority of the levels, they've just yanked the camera behind your lovable plas- <laughs> platform mascot instead of, like, on to his side. But it still very much has the energy of uh, of a 2D Mario or a Sonic or a Bubsy, much more yeah. than it does stuff like... Mario 64, Banjo-Kazooie, Spyro the Dragon even, which would be a very good contemporary to Crash. Well, they were very yeah. much more interested in, let's let's create 3D worlds to poke around in. That's kind of like the kind of main thing the developers wanted you to do in those games. Yeah, I think with Crash, it becomes really evident when you get to, there's occasional levels that are sort of the side-on traditional 2D platform review. And like the gameplay feel changes very, very little. Yeah, because true. you it, it's essentially the exact same thing you've been doing, just the camera has moved like 90 degrees. For what they're doing, they're doing it very, very well. It's it's really tight, precision platforming. I, I 100% agree with you. And, and would you think, do you have an opinion that there was a time, or maybe there is a time, I'd like to, I'd like to hear what you have to say, that Crash was kind of, I'm going to say underestimated, I'm going to say kind of made fun of. I'm going to say hated. Do you think there's kind of an opinion about Crash Bandicoot that he's some weird relic of the 90s? That he's just very kind of 90s design cool. And because of because of that, people tend to think maybe, did you know, this might be before the Crash Bandicoot Insane trilogy came out and people mm-hmm. were kind of maybe reminded. But let's just say for arguments, like, do you think there was a time when people just really, I, I felt it, that people kind of look back at Crash and remember it being not very good because Crash himself kind of aged in the space of like three years, he was so he's like Poochie from um, Simpsons, isn't he? <laughs> he's very much so, especially on the cover of the, the third game, <laughs> wearing a leather jacket and sat up on a motorcycle exactly. doing his best fun. Exactly, and I think that kind of stuff kind of 
hides the fact that, like you said, these games are like excellent 2D platform. No, sorry, excellent platform games. Like, I think, okay, I, 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 maybe we should, we'll talk about this if we ever do a whole episode on Sonic the Hedgehog, guys, mm-hmm. save us. But I love the old Sonics, okay? Right? I'm a really big fan of them. And I think one of the big things about those um, four original Sonic games on the Sega Mega Drive is, you know, laugh all you want, you know, whatever Sonic is now. So many fans want to fuck him. Whatever. Yep. So many. <laughs> it's just Sonic the Hedgehog. Those old games have such a precise sense of style, such a, a flavor that is so Sonic, that is so nineties, but in a very Sonic way. It's the it's the two D sprites, it's the colors, it's the level design, it's the music, music yeah. it's the it's the character design, right? And I think there is like love him or hate him. I think there is a reason why Sonic has like lasted. I think there's something very kind of. Um, uniquely and interestingly in that design that it just appeals to kids at every generation and then obviously people like you know who never grow up and want to keep playing the games a bit like me but um crash i don't think has that i don't think he's like he has i don't think he has this unique eternal style i think he's very much stuck in the 90s yeah and i think is is a lot of that down to just the character design of him? Because like going back and playing the 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 insane trilogy there, like the the modern take on the visuals of those games are stunning. Like they look yeah. fantastic. The music in those games is excellent. It's oh, it's wonderful. Such a such a great like just vibe to them. Great atmosphere that it builds in the game. Um, like all the sound design is great. Um, but it's just him. He's just this weird little dude in jeans. But but I guess, I guess another kind of point I want to say is that despite my love for Sonic, and I think it has a much big kind of, um, in, in its design, in its, in its feel, has a much bigger kind of footprint on gaming, a much more unique one. I think Crash is better. I think, the, I think it's a better platform game to, in its core, in its design. I think it's better than a lot of the kind of platform games that came before it. I don't think it's better than the 2D Marios. But in terms of just the gameplay, I think it's better than Sonic, man. I think it's like I think I think overall with all the other all, other, all the other elements involved, I think I think I might prefer those old Sonic games for nostalgic reasons for whatever. I just think Crash is underestimated. Uh, those original games are just solid ass platform games, really good ones, and they're very challenging. Extremely challenging, in fact. Extremely, but they, yeah. They're also well designed in the sense that they have a, a great arc of difficulty through them. But they're and but they're it's all about very precise platforming. It's mm. almost like muscle memory. If, if, like you said, you, if you're saying you're playing Crash every two weeks and you're a kid, I bet you there were some of those levels that just kind of you know lived in your brain. I remember when yeah. I was like, I remember when I was years older and I played that Wild Hog level as mm. an adult. Uh, I don't know where I was, but uh, and it's the one where Crash is riding on a and a, a boar, a wild boar or something, mm-hmm. a hog, I guess. And um, you don't have to move him forward. You just have to move the, the boar left and right as he's running through a thing to avoid obstacles and break boxes. And some bizarre muscle memory kicked in, Kev. I, I could just do it. It was like, I don't know what it was like, the Matrix. I could see the numbers. Yeah, it's um, and muscle memory is a big part of it, just being like in that zone. It's kind of, the first Crash game is kind of my earliest memory of like achieving a kind of flow state in video gaming. Interesting. And it is that that road to nowhere level in particular where you're just you're just going in a straight line. Basically what you're doing is just holding down forward and timing your jumps right. And you're you're just holding down forward and pressing X repeatedly. And if you do them exactly right, you get through the level. 
and to like to like build it down even more to like its core it's like visual stimuli just hitting your eyeballs you're just like this type of plank is this color plank is solid this color plank is slippery so you'll slide on it this one will break as soon as you step on it this one doesn't have a center to it, so you have to miss it so you're literally just yeah you're, you're remembering like the, the timing of the jumps how long to hold x because that's neat I, I suppose that something we said as well of why crash is really good um he's like we talked about this before when we were talking about celeste kev in our indie game episode yes he's just a brilliant um brilliant he moves brilliantly Mm-hmm. Um, his jump, the arc of his jump, the way you're able to control his jump really well. There's a little bit of a delay on his jump, just tiny. It feels like a couple of frames or something. Mm. It just makes the decision every time you jump feels weighty. It feels every jump feels consequential. I, I will, yeah, but I will say, despite how difficult this thing can get, it never really feels like your fault when you die. That doesn't mean that it's not a frustrating game. It's an incredibly yeah. frustrating game just by its nature and just how nuisancey some of the level design is. Yes. It's not like the bad to average platform games out there where yeah. sometimes you feel a bit cheated by them because they're just not designed well enough and sometimes the game works against you and kills you, essentially. Yeah, um, and I tried to to test my muscle memory and flow state by booting up the Insane Trilogy again last night hmm. and playing Road to Nowhere. And? And, it's at, and it's at this point, Liam, I would like you to guess how many times I died. <laughs> uh, 35 Oh, I wish. Uh, <laughs> really? Thir- 13 oh. game over screens. Oh. That's five uh, lives each. <laughs> it, stopped, it stopped being fun really early in the, the equation. I put, aside, be... I put aside about 90 minutes with the intention of playing about 30 minutes each of the first three <laughs> games. And I just, I just played that one level. I just kept failing at it. <laughs> I commend you for coming into this podcast with a positive attitude towards Crash then. You could have just come in as a bitter bastard over it. No, no, no. I fully realized that I'm the issue. We might be jumping ahead a bit here, Kev, but in, t- in terms of that remake, though, there is some kind of changes to it that makes it tougher than the original PlayStation 1 ones. Yeah, there's. Uh, I believe the issue stems from basically video game design getting better and applying those new design principles to a PS1 era game. We're basically in the PS1 era, both Crash and the platforms that you're trying to land on. The um, the hitboxes, the sort of what the game perceives as the solid physical object, were big blocky things that were larger than the sort of the art assets themselves. Um, and in these newer iterations of the game, they've kind of slimmed down the hitboxes to be the same size as the planks or the platforms or whatever you're trying to land on. So by sort of modernizing the design of the game, they've actually made it slightly harder. And the, the, the hitboxes are harder, they're smaller to land on. Like I, I said, that thing about it always feeling fair when you die. I, I yeah. remember playing the new one whenever I played it and going like, hold on a second. I felt, I felt something was off, you know, and I felt like that wasn't my fault. You know, I'm good at Crash. And you explained it so elegantly there, but the only way my kind of brain could define what was happening was just like, you know, it's it's more slippery than the old one. I'm telling you, I used to make those jumps and now I'm dying. It's not fair. What's happening? Yeah, absolutely. And that was where I was about 55 minutes into Road to Nowhere <laughs> last night. Oh, uh, I'm not sure which of the five stages of grief that I think maybe bargaining. Um, well, like I said as well, like I said that, that there's an arc of difficulty in that game. Maybe the problem was you didn't start on Insanity Beach, the first level, and work your way to Road of Nowhere, Road to Nowhere. By just like how long when's the last time you played Crash Bandicoot, Kev? Whenever that trilogy came out. Yeah, yeah. Twenty nineteen. 
Oh, Jesus, before. I, don't, I, I didn't play it when it came out. I actually, I can't remember when it came out. I should have looked it up maybe, but... Uh... <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I remember when I played it the first time, though, and um, like I said, I found it more difficult, but there was one level. Um, man, help me out if you can remember. Can you remember the name of the level where the barrels are, are bouncing? They're rolling and bouncing down towards you. I remember the level. I don't remember its name. I'm going to look it up because, because I need... Yeah, the, the level's called Toxic Waste, okay? Okay. And you're and you're running you're running um forward, it's one to forward level, and some fuckers are rolling barrels down and some of them are bouncing, so you gotta like make sure you get under them. And I I don't know why I'm I'm talking about this right now because it feels kind of, you know, self indulgent, but arrogant. But I just like started that level and I, I broke out in hives because I was like, This is one of my child this is one of my childhood nightmares. This is like I remember struggling and struggling with this level. I think I still think it's one of the hardest levels in the game. And I just yeah. I Jesus took the wheel, Kev. Not one life lost. And I hadn't played it in I hadn't played it in years. It just oh, it was I, I now I know why people like watching athletes like be good and stuff with that. I'm not a sports guy. <laughs> I just even though I was doing it in, in this case I was the athlete, so I should I guess I should say now I know why athletes enjoy doing the things they're good at. But I, <laughs> but I but I just got to the end. I got the I think I got all the boxes as well, of course. Get the gem. Naturally. Kev. Amazing, amazing show altogether. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm genuinely really impressed that level's a bitch yeah. um so after my my road to nowhere went nowhere last night i decided to sort of as a palate cleanser to play mm-hmm. the uh the, the sort of now iconic boulders level yeah uh, yeah brilliant and um yeah that went a lot better that only only took me about 15 lives um is that the, that the level you can play in uncharted 4 exactly yeah that's what i was going to yeah. bring up um a little interesting tidbit about that which I don't know how many people know, is that Naughty Dog didn't emulate it for Uncharted 4. They just built an entire Crash Bandicoot level in-engine. What? Yeah, it's insane. I did not know that. Yeah, and this was this was before the, the recent remix and all that, so this was just Naughty Dog going, I think we can remember how to do this, even though I'm sure there was none of the same people there. Like, but... I, I would not I like you, you play that and you just think, oh cool, they put the first level of, of or it's not the first level, they put a level of Crash Bandicoot into Uncharted 4 for this little cute little bit where Drake and uh, Elena are playing it. But that's going the extra mile. They recreated it in PS1 graphics and everything. Yeah, yeah. And it really felt impressive. exactly the same. It did, yeah, it was really good. I, I will say to take me a bit back down to solid ground, when playing Uncharted 4 the first time, I was like, I got this, I'm gonna make Nathan Drake complete this level, and I absolutely fucking whiffed it. <laughs> I guess it's only when it's my hands. Not my hands via Nathan Drake's hands. Am I really good at Crash Bandicoot? There's, I, I, have a, I have a really embarrassing story where I, it was like literally one of the first times I'd met my girlfriend and we went back to your apartment, okay. really, really drunk. And there was a bunch of people gathered around there drinking right. post night out. People were playing Crash Bandicoot. I was like, excellent. This is my <laughs> kind of scene, you know? Yep. <laughs> and I was langers, absolutely like ossified. And someone was struggling in a crash, and I was like, give me that. This is the most arrogant you'll ever see me in any episode of Halo Justin, okay? I'm, I'm a very meek person. <laughs> but I was just, even with the alcohol running through me, I was just like, yeah, I'll fucking do this, whatever. 
like I said, there's muscle memory when it comes to Crash, and I just absolutely nailed it. And Fiona and I have been together for seven years now. <laughs> and I think she credits that to the reason you guys have lasted this long. Uh, why, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Like, do you know this interesting thing? Is, sorry, to bring us back down. Just like, after all that, Tom Fruit or something a bit more technical. Do you know why the the boxes are in the game, Kev? Why the crates are in the game? I remember hearing something about this ages ago. Um, it's it's one of those really fun kind of um, things that you, like, you love to hear about because you realize how much kind of sprouted from it. They they were designing the levels and the level the levels sem- seemed empty because the ancient PS one could only kind of render a certain amount of enemies at one time, so they couldn't fill their levels with enemies. And when they were play testing it, they were finding that players were getting through it like really quickly and like really easily, and like the enemies were weren't posing a problem. So um, they needed something else for the player to be doing in the kind of stretches of level where there wasn't a pit to jump over or an enemy to kill and they came up with the idea of these crates and they were kind of they worked they worked kind of twofold because they there was something for the player to do which is why there's different crates like the tnt crates and the ones that take yeah. five five jumps to break and you can bounce between them so they were kind of almost little pu- some of them were little puzzles because some of them could be over pits so there were little things for the for the player to be doing but they were all and they're collectibles obviously mm-hmm. but there are also ways to kind of corral the player in ways so they could kind of they could shrink and widen their levels in any way they wanted just with the crates and, and stuff like that and put enemies um, in, in the position of enemies in, in regards to the crates. And also, he was called Willy the Wombat. I had un- heard that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, until they mid, mid-development, mid they came up with these crates that crashed at the break. Uh, Willy had to break, I should say. <laughs> Willy had to break. But, <laughs> but um, I, I've been there. But um, after that, it was such an integral, such a, like constant thing you were doing in the game that he got named after him breaking crates he got named into crash i just think it's very fun that they came up with the crates for a kind of a technical reason but it ended up becoming so intrinsic to the whole thing and even he got his name from it yeah that's that's really interesting because like the 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 crates both as an obstacle and as the sort of collectathon goal are kind of integral to the the franchise from then on out like they're and in, a, key, in terms of- a key part of the design it's interesting to think that they were added sort of like made development as a response to playtesting and stuff. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, and in terms of kind of doodads that you that one might collect in a in a platform game, they're amongst the best. Because they're yeah. fun to break, they're fun to jump on. And like I said, you can build um, platforming obstacles, platforming sections or little puzzles, whatever you want to say it, around them. So yeah, it's kind of a stroke of genius, really. Yeah, especially in the later games when they start introducing the the nitro crates as well. Yeah. And you kind of and I suppose when there's also, is it from the second one? I'm not sure if it's in the first, but um, you can sometimes get gems from getting through a level without breaking any crates. So then you kind of reverse the puzzle where you have to avoid them. Yeah, there was definitely one level in the second game, Crash Bandicoot 2, Cortex yeah. Strikes Back, which maybe we'll move on to for a second here, that um, sure. that uh, had that. But it was kind of, it was like it was only one level and it was very kind of, oh, that's what I have to do. I didn't, I didn't know that. In the Crash Bandicoot Insane remake thing, it actually just tells you, which is better. Yeah. But I think I agree with you, Kev. That Crash Bandicoot One is my favorite because it's, um, yeah, it's so in, in, integral to my childhood. Like I said, it was kind of me and the PlayStation finally becoming friends. Me kind of accepting the advent of 3D gaming, and then before it was like all broken down by Resident Evil being brought into my house and me being terrified <laughs> by the PlayStation all over again. But I think of those original three, I think Crash Two is the best one. I think it's just one. It only came out a year later. It just yeah. ended up being one of those uh, sequels that you know. No changes, no many, no, not much changes need to be made. They had the engine built, they had everything sorted. They just went about designing what I think are just better 
um, levels, really, and then more and just adding ideas and voice acting and stuff. <laughs> and yeah. Cortex talks to you in a big um, head. I actually saw a video of that recently when he with Cortex was replaced with Jordan Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Peterson's like crystals, of course. <laughs> he was bitching about Twitter or something. It was very crash. Crash was just golfing up at him. It was very funny. But um, but I yeah I um I have a weird um connection to Crash too. I don't, I'd want to bring the the mood down or anything. But I will. I will control all your emotions. I'm not talking to you, Kevin. I'm talking to everyone. But um, I just have a weird memory of Crash too. When I was when I replayed as an adult, um, a friend of mine passed away. And when someone passes away, you just a lot to do because funerals be done. But then when when the funeral is over, like life just continues. Yeah. And I was just like, what? Do I, I guess I I'll play a game. That's what I do, isn't it? And I was like, you know, very very sad at the time. And I just decided to play Crash Two. And I've played it a couple of times since. But every time I play it now, it just reminds me of that time I've accidentally connected it to something. Yeah. You know? Because I think it's fantastic. I played it during COVID as well, so I, I keep do, I keep doing giving Crash Two these bad connections. <laughs> I played it the height of COVID as well. I was like, oh, I guess I'll play Crash Two. It's also yeah. incredibly difficult, even in comparison to the first one. Mm. If you're 100 percenting this game, Kev, some of those hidden gems you have to get, they are bastards, absolute oh, yeah. bastards. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm happy to go along with the idea that Crash Two kind of does everything that the first game does a little bit better. Yeah, uh, I think the first game will still always have my heart, but the second one is well worth a go. You, you're um, starting to you're starting to see something like in Crash One. You have fun levels where you're running away from a boulder, you're riding on a warthog. Those are the kind of um, break from the norm episodes or levels, we'll say. And uh, Crash Two starts bringing more stuff like there's levels on a jetpack, but they're a little bit, you know, a bit more novelty. You know, yeah, the mechanics the mechanics aren't really there. You're not you're not a little bit janky. Little bit, you're not doing the precision platforming anymore. Mm-hmm. You know they're not bad, but if there was maybe more of this carry on, it might carry the game down. Yeah, uh, they surely wouldn't do that, would they? Exhibit A: Crash Bandicoot Three Warped, which I've learned through the years is so fucking beloved. Yep. And if I if I stand for anything, I stand for this. It is easily the worst of the original Crash games. It's not oh. a bad game. It's not a bad game. The charm is still there. It's just comfortably easily the worst like easily yeah i was baffled by like when i was doing a bit of research for this looking at it and seeing that i think it it has the highest um metacritic score of the three loads of reviews um you know praising it as like the the best iteration of the format and all that i'm like no absolutely not like it feels almost it's, it's a leather jacket and a motorbike on the cover. <laughs> like what more do you need? It feels a little bit embarrassing, maybe even shameful for two grown men to be talking about it and getting very upset about it. Yet it is weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um I remember playing that game and counting like I remember playing that game and like thinking, oh cool, a regular platforming level, rather than oh, here's like a, a novelty level. There's so many novelty yeah. levels in that game where you're like scuba diving or really shit ones where you're playing as coco his sister and who you're and you're like on a little kind of a speedboat with her some of that i know my memory yeah. is, is cloudy yeah it's like again again not a bad game there's some time travel shenanigans and that's always mm-hmm. fun there's yeah. a tiger you ride on this time instead of um a warthog in the first game and a polar bear in the second one that's that's good i like i as a, as a kid i was genuinely because I, I i'd realized as a kid that there was some kind of light motif of animal riding going on in the crash series and i was genuinely interested in like what will you ride in crash 3 and it was a tiger and i was like you know what now dog brilliant 
brilliant decision. Yeah. That's that's really fun. I like it. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's sort of colorful and it's wacky and it has like so many different ideas packed into it like the execution isn't always great but god love them they're trying at all times <laughs> i can definitely get why people love it but for me it's just such a such a dilution of what makes these games great it, it tended to happen though i i i think I would say as well, uh, Spyro the Dragon, the third one, is also the worst of the original uh, Spyro games. And I wasn't... I um, yeah, but I, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you for nothing, Kev. Spyro wasn't as um, integral to my childhood as Crash was. I played Spyro 1 in my friend's pa- Paz house, and uh, I enjoyed it, but I never actually owned it. It wasn't oh. until Spyro equally got um, his remakes and the, the Reignited trilogy that I was like, um, do you know what, I'll finally... Uh, I finally got, kind of give, play these things. I don't know who I was talking to. I think I was talking to... I'm, I'm, I'm totally gone off on a spiral tangent now and there's like no stopping me. And... Um, I'm talking you know, to spiral, spiral? Oh, that's, that's, why, that's why you get the big bucks, Kev. Yeah. That's why and I'm, I'm bringing the tea and the coffee. That's, I don't know, it's a hey, look, listen, uh, metaphor there. I don't know. But um, I don't know who it was. I think I was at work and I was talking about playing Spyro and someone said to me like, uh, they were shocked. Like, oh, Spyro used to be such a big part of my childhood and I played played it now and i couldn't believe it it's so you know they didn't i don't think they, they hated it but they're like oh it's just not very good it's very simple isn't it and i had the opposite thing man when yeah I Spyro, when i played Spyro and reignited trilogy i was like oh my god look at this there's no fuss not a skill tree in sight don't <laughs> <Yeah>. have to <laughs> i'm just literally just wandering around these levels you know listening to who it's one of the guys from the who i think did the music for it oh yeah um, yeah yeah like oh is I, Pete townsend from the from the who kev p townsend it's from the who yeah yeah, that, that's him. He did. He did the music for Spyro trilogy. Wow. Yeah, that. Is that really, isn't that really strange? Unless I, I'm going, we're literally going to finish recording this now. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to go for. Yeah. That's embarrassing. That was wrong. Absolute, absolute tangent. But did you know that Pete Townsend was once uh, arrested for child pornography possession and said that Fuck. it was research, re- research for a book. Why did you bring that up? I was just talking about. I, I literally was halfway through going on about how Spyro was such a pleasant vibe. That's literally the point I was trying to make. I don't think I can finish the point now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you should try. Back to Crash. <laughs> Do you have anything insidious to say about Crash Bandicoot? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? In Crash Bandicoot <laughs> Two, you know, um, in some of the side-on bits, you can get crushed by these columns. Do you know that the sort of the death animation for that is Crash's head gets like squished down with just these two sneakers and his head. Yes, very whimsical. That, that animation had to be removed from the Japanese release of the game. Because there had been some brutal murders involving decapitation around the time of the game's release. This whole thing, I thought you were doing a, a bit. Nope. This is real also. I'm afraid so. You had something ready. You had something insidious for Crash too. Absolutely, yeah. 90% that's of the things like, I do are insidious. That's, that's so, he's, he, but it's really cartoony animation. Like, I, I'm yeah. sorry. I, I, that's very, <laughs> I get it. Why they had to do it. <laughs> I wasn't trying to justify it there for a moment. I was playing. Um, I was Kev. I was playing um, the Ace Attorney Chronicles recently, and um, one of the animations that your main character Ryosuke has is he uh, tentatively raises his hand when mm-hmm. in, the, in the beginning of the game when he's nervous in court, and in the original Japanese he does a Nazi salute. Oh, and that's not even a joke. But, but this is set in like late in the hundreds Japan, and that wasn't a Nazi salute yet. Yeah, it was like it was like something else. It was like I don't know, and yeah, that had to be removed. So I ping pong back off you there from your little crash animation thing. Okay, uh, so we should probably keep it light from here. <laughs> I know, yeah, I kind of wish I didn't bring bring up how I connect Crash 2 to death now. 
you know, because it is it is supposed to be a really um, happy. But I, do you know what? I will finish my Spyro point in just in terms of how it um, connects to Crash because Spyro is like a kind of a like a vibe. You're in you're in the levels and it's just pleasant and there's like oh there's there's no there's hardly any drama. You're collecting these big chunky red gems. You're listening to the music. You're you're breathing fire on enemies and you're exploring. That used to be always one of my favorite things about platformers. Like I love, I grew up with Sonic, I grew up with Mario, I love 2D platformers. But when I was just at the perfect age, 3D platformers got their hooks into me. And that's why like Mario 64 is one of my favorite games of all time. I adore Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie, Donkey Kong 64, etc. And then you go past, uh, if you stick with Naughty Dog and, and go past Crash Bandicoot, you have Jack and Daxter, which I also love. But that's always one of my favorite things about... Um, these games is, is exploring the levels and just kind of, you know, I always, I, I feel like I use this phrase so much because it, but it, by doing this podcast, I've kind of realized about myself. It's one of the things I do love about gaming. It's just like, I love being in these games. I love vibing yeah. with them and hanging them out, hanging out. And I think I will say one of the reasons perhaps why kind of crash wouldn't be high as high in my heart as a banjo or something is that it doesn't really have that. It's, yeah, it's, but it's a different type of beast, isn't it? It's just more like the immediacy of the platforming and the precision of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, like in the second one, I think they made steps to make it a little bit more like a, a sort of a Mario sixty four thing by sort of. I'm thinking of like the the admittedly bare bones like little hub world where you like choose your levels from. I used stuff. to like that though. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Weirdly really, saying it is nice though, isn't it? Yeah, the little hub. Yeah, I'm, I'm an absolute sucker for a hub world hmm. um even if it's like a glorified menu like in um like fire emblem three houses where you have this this hub this this like school you can explore and you can like talk to all the students you can go to like the the armor shop or the weapon shop that's basically just a menu it's just it's just one that's spread yeah. out in 3d and like it's spread, it, out, it's spread it, out over the entire game so you get to know it over the game yeah. you know yeah yeah give me a hub world in anything and i'm sold give me a hub world in fifa and i would play a fifa, FIFA game for you what would a hub world of fifa be I don't know. Dressing room. Um, dressing room. Yeah. Press triangle to do a cheeky slap of a towel. Yeah. yeah. That what they do. I believe so. You're the expert <laughs> on sports here. <laughs> oh yeah, um, toxic waste. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Olympics next year. Or, or, For a second there, I thought that you were just calling me toxic. Waste. <laughs> you, you fucking pond scum. No. <laughs> <laughs> So I think one of the things, one of the terms we used a lot already is uh, mascot platformer, which mm-hmm. I think is pretty self-explanatory. It's a platforming game with, you know, a big, colorful main character. The they, used mascot. To, they used to rule. They used yeah. to rule the game industry for a time in the 90s and the 80s. Yeah. And obviously you got you got your big guns. You got your, your blue hedgehog guy. You got your little pervert plumber guy. Why is he a pervert? It, oh, look at him. <laughs> hanging out and hanging out in sewer pipes, collecting <laughs> people's waste. I don't know. Oh god, you just sound like you just actually just described a job a lot of people have and added some kind of Yeah, I'm mean, some of, to it. Some of them could be perverts too, man. I don't know. <laughs> Say that about any job, I guess. It's true. Investment banker. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um so I'm curious, was was Sonic your first sort of mascot platform or so? Yeah, he's my first first. He was my first Kev. I don't know if I should say it in that, in that kind of way. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Sonic, Sonic was where video games came from for me. Like, I think my brother had a couple of Mega Drive games first. I was, I'm talking two or three of them, so I can barely remember. I think yeah. he had like, 
I feel like oh, I can remember. I can absolutely remember. It's Altered Beast. I was going to guess Altered Beast, yeah. <laughs> yeah, our first games, my brother's first games were Altered Beast and, and a shitty game called Sword of Sodan. And then he got Sonic, and there's a photograph of me in some photo album somewhere that I haven't seen in years, marked as like 1991, uh, so I would have been two. And I'm playing, I'm playing Sonic the Hedgehog out in our kitchen with uh, headphones on, and I'm holding the controller incorrectly. I don't know how I could have made him jump and move at the same time. It doesn't really matter, does it? Mm. But yeah. yeah, to answer your question, Sonic was my first, yeah. Awesome. And when platformers made the move to 3D then, you, I think you said, was Mario 64 your first 3D one there? Or did you did you take that little venture onto Flicky's Island with Sonic? I had Sonic 3D. I had yeah. it because I was obsessed with the, the brand. Like, I was obsessed with Sonic. Do you know, Sonic 3D, um, two games actually get that came out at the end of the Mega Drive era that were my first kind of bitter taste of, oh, games can be bad, you know? Yeah. Do you know that thing, that, thing, that thing you have to learn where products can be bad? And I think, you know, maybe maybe my brother had like a little hand in just selecting these games. Maybe it was, it was, it was Toy Story for the mm. Mega Drive because I was obsessed with Toy Story when it came out. I had a room full of Toy Story uh, merchandise when it came out. It was like one of my kind of childhood loves. So I got the video game of it and it's absolute dog shit. Like I tricked myself for years into, the, into fooling myself that it was a good game. And Sonic 3D. I had Sonic 3D and that is also garbage. It has a lovely soundtrack though. That is, yeah, absolutely a fair <laughs> point. That's pretty much the only positive that can be said about it. Yeah, it's just not, so. It, it was my first kind of feeling of this isn't Sonic and not even like, it looks different. And just, you know, in that kind of way, way you can't really define when you're a kid, I was just like, this isn't Sonic. This, this, it doesn't feel right. Even though it's like, it plays completely differently, yes, but also the spirit is trodden on. Yeah. Why do you think mascot platformers aren't a thing so much anymore? Games grew up. Am I making an assumption there? They're, they're, yeah, but see, you, you, of course they're still around. Well, they, the, one, the ones who were big back then tend to be quite big right now. <laughs> but you're right. Like if, you, if you're a kind of um, a smaller game company, like you, you, you weren't the Nintendo, you weren't the Capcom, you weren't the whoever, and you're like, oh, we need to make a game. You, the, the best bet back in like the 90s, like early 90s and like late 80s was to make a kind of mascot platformer like mm-hmm. you sold games based on the fucking critter on your box you know and that's why there's like a sea an absolute ocean of mascots who just never made it and i would actually love i've said this before sometime in the podcast i'd love to do an episode on that i think that would be such a fun thing to just like kind of rifle through the ones who are just like one-offs like i'm talking like the top tier of these i wouldn't go even as far as like someone who's like hasn't had a game in like 20 years like jack and dax or something like that. that's way too popular like yeah. i think the top of this pile would be bubsy you know yeah who's like Thanks. known yeah he's like quite known even though his games are like not very good but um and go down but i, I just think the reason kevin is because during the like mid 90s your playstation and so for that games grew up it was the adolescent era of games and i don't know if it was gamers growing up alongside games i don't know if it was just the culture of the time but games i think the way they kind of evolved was to have this more kind of edgy dark feel to them which was why you, you think back in the playstation or you think back of like the dark cgi trailers of final fantasy you think of resident evil yeah. you think of tomb raider stuff like that and i just think it might became much more popular um to have games like uh and this is like I I I, lo- I love mascot platform games, but I don't begrudge this change. So I'm not saying this kind of like oh, I want more Bubsy, you know. But I think it was really <laughs> games like um, if you go down towards the PlayStation Two, uh, Grand Theft Auto Three, yeah, absolutely killed 
the whole thing and like and first person shooters isn't the other big one first person shooters i think might, might actually be more elegant that kind of you could almost swap it out you could almost swap out platform games with first person shooters as like kind of the kind of central genre that was almost kind of feeling feeling like it was at the epicenter of the whole of the whole culture yeah absolutely yeah but I, I actually really a really elegant kind of way to see this happening is with jack and daxter actually kind of, which is kind of the first game as a kind of um banjo kazooie mario 64 like kind of 3d platformer collectathon and then the second one is a grand theft auto clone like the whole kind of culture had changed in that time you know yeah absolutely um worth noting as well that it while it is a grand theft auto clone it's also fucking great jack did i say crash jack 2 yeah jack 2 was jack 2 yeah jack 2 is great yeah it's a little bit jank but i'm i'm a big fan i'm a big fan so we've talked about sonic and how people are horny from we've mentioned mario <laughs> and how he's likely a pervert Jesus, I didn't want to talk about that. I know, but here we are. <laughs> so my question to you, Liam, is where's where's my Crash movie? <laughs> I, you know, you you joke, but yeah, he's that yeah. popular. He is that popular. I have a theory that has no basis or evidence, or I didn't look at any, any numbers or anything like that. I know Crash Bandicoot is huge in America, right? Yeah. That's where he came from. He was made in America. I just have this theory that in UK and Ireland he's even bigger. I think he. I think everyone from a certain age had a Crash Bandicoot game. In, oh, absolutely! Like, in yeah. Ireland and UK, he, he seemed like he was fucking everywhere. And when I, I know when um, the Insane trilogy came out, it was on the I don't know about Ireland, but it was on the UK top ten charts for about two years. Oh yeah, yeah, they absolutely smashed it. Like I and, and because it's a safe game to buy for your kids. But I think also just because the, the, the brand Crash Bandicoot, even though he went through an even longer era of mediocre games not made by Naughty, not made by Naughty Dog that are hardly remembered. And like you and I haven't even played them, even though he had this long period. I just think he's he just he survived. He endured somehow in popularity. So you say like, where's the Crash Bandicoot movie? Perhaps perhaps in jest. But if Ratchet and Clank can get a movie, yep. you know, well, Crash definitely should be ahead of them. Although, what would he be like? What would Crash's character be? I don't know. What, he just kind of goes, whoa! Yeah. They would probably have to give him like dialogue and a character. Who would you cast for Crash? Chris Pratt. <laughs> He's so cool. <laughs> Chris Pratt or maybe... Hold on, let me think a second. Anya Taylor-Joy. Oh. Sorry, okay. I just, all I could think... All I could ad-lib was the next person who was, uh, who was cast uh, in that Mario video. <laughs> she's playing Princess yeah. Peach. Yeah. Okay, here, here's my guess. My, my option. Yeah. Dan Levy. Oh, that'd be very good. He's got the eyebrows. Oh, it's live action. I mean, they did CG his face in or something. <laughs> Listen, I'm an ideas guy. I don't sweat the details. I just had another one, Kev. I'll, I'll, I'll see your Dan Levy and I'll raise mm-hmm. you a Gary Busey. Oh, wow. Gary Busey is Crash Bandicoot. Or maybe Dan Levy is Crash and Gary Busey is Cortex. Yeah, okay, perfect. Done. Print it. Let's sidestep into something way more reasonable. Okay. I know what I what I know of you. We, mm-hmm. we have very similar tastes in games, but we diverge in very major ways. Some, yes. Sometimes. Sometimes. And one ga- one, I know one game you are absolutely horny for. Mm-hmm. Crash Team Racing. Crash Team Racing. Wasn't part yes. of me at all. Wasn't, wasn't part of my upbringing at all. I, I was I'm, a Mario Kart Diddy Kong racing guy. I'm glad that you brought it up. So I just want to take this opportunity to speak <laughs> on behalf of, of you and, and Owen and Marcy and the podcast as a whole and say that definitively... Crash Team Racing is the second best karting game of all time. The second best? Mm-hmm. It's not as good as Double Dash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your favorite is the GameCube Double Dash. This is kind of 
It's kind of why we became friends. <laughs> Actually, can I tell another story? Go for it. I don't know why. I don't know why Crash is bringing all these personal stories out of me of of all the of all the the, the episode topics. Literally, this is no word of a lie. The very first time I ever set eyes on my girlfriend, I walked into a room in your house carrying an eight pack of Heineken, glanced over, and I was like, "Oh, look at that cute girl with the pixie cut." Glance forward. Oh shit! They're playing double dash over there. <laughs> And then yeah. I went over and played Double Dash with all the lads. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah. So, like, we don't, me and Fiona don't have a song or anything, but we have a game. I don't know if she's yeah. ever played it, but, <laughs> but it's, it's our game. Yeah. I know she loves the Wii Mario Kart. I don't know if she played Double Dash. Yeah, I can just picture you guys, like, having laps around Baby Park to celebrate the birth of your child. <laughs> Oh, that'd be brilliant. Or I'd be, I'd be just playing Double Dash while she's giving yeah. birth. No, no babies. There will be no babies. I'm the baby. No babies. <laughs> well, I, I can recommend a cat. I'd love it. Well, no joke. I'd love a cat. But we're getting yeah. off topic. I I didn't play it much, Kev. What was... <laughs> why Why was Crash Team Racing like the second best? You're, Mario Kart 64, Diddy Kong Racing, Mario Kart 8. These are a lot of cat racers that you're placing it above here. Yeah, I will... Uh... If you want to make an argument for Mario Kart 64, I might, I might be able to concede the point and move okay. Crashing Racing down to third. I don't, I don't really, I, I don't really want to. I'd, I'd yeah. rather do you just. <laughs> it just, it has. A, there's a sort of a weight to it, to the carts and to how, particularly how they kind of they power slide. That it feels the, the power sliding around corners in the Mario Kart games traditionally. Once you get a little bit of a hang of it. It's very fluid. Yeah. Such, yeah. Okay. And in Crash Team Racing, it almost feels more mechanical in some way. It feels like you're really fighting against the car. But when you get it, it's really satisfying. The, the weight to the movement and the sort, of the, the, the sort of almost clunkiness to it just makes it feel better when it works. Plus, the single player of Crash Team Racing has, as previously mentioned, my favorite thing in that it has a hub world. Yeah, it has a, an, an adventure mode. An adventure so mode where you kind of you explore around and you get to entering races, and then there's like boss battle races against some of the the bad guy characters from the franchise. It's just yeah. it's great. It, I fully recommend it. Except that the the recent re release of it that they um, patched in microtransactions after the review window that was pretty shitty. Yeah, well, it's an awful. I hate when there's like. I know, I know games like this can be played by all ages, you know, and, and it is, let's admit it. But I hate when those games that are so, like, a, like a crash, ta- crash Team Racing is so clearly targeted at children. And they're like, let's put microtransactions in it, you know. Let's have people buy this game for their kids at Christmas and then have their kids beg them to buy. What, what can you even buy in Crash Team Racing? Like, wheels. I think it is, like, literally, like, decals yeah, 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 on, yeah. on the carts and different color wheel rims and stuff. But was the other than that absolute nonsense? Was the the remake good? Yeah, yeah. It almost pains me to admit it because I don't want mm. to endorse that kind of shitty behavior. But um, yeah, it was. It was really well done. It doesn't matter even slightly. Like, there's no rivalry or anything. But did you know that Diddy Kong Racing got out the gate first with a, a car by being a kart racer with an adventure mode? Yeah. Do you have anything to say to that? <laughs> Um, I, there was a, there was a big Nintendo versus PlayStation rivalry with kids, you know, and I had both, yeah. so I should have, you know, I I should have, you know, been an arbiter or something, but I was kind of like, 
a kart racer on the PlayStation. <laughs> you will never beat Mario Kart or Diddy Kong Racing, you fools. Yeah, I gotta be honest with you, man. And I don't know how much our friendship can handle this, but I don't rate Diddy Kong Racing like at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it never it's, did it, it for me. It's incredibly like they're all childlike, right? They're all yeah. bright colors, and but Diddy Kong Racing is literally like. <laughs> the whole time it's just childish noises in your face but did you know conquer was in it before conquer's bad fur day oh very interesting yeah i think i did yeah. know that i think you may have said that on the conquer's bad fur day episode of this podcast and banjo's in it oh yeah banjo Kazooie. who does crash have ripper Roo. actually i love ripper Roo. <laughs> dingo dog he's cool i i will say actually just as an almost um i think we can almost wrap this up right i think so yeah this is not even like a summary or anything, so I don't know why I said that yet. <laughs> but, but I think Crash has a bit of um, a problem with his side characters. I think there's Crash himself. I think Cortex is an all right villain. Uh, I don't know. Coco. Coco people like Coco. I think Ripper Roo is cool. Actually, maybe shit myself in the foot here because I'm literally listing characters I like yeah. and remember. Tiny? It, 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 yeah, it's Tiny good though. It's Tiny shit. Ooh, I don't know. Um, I thought Tony was good, but you've made a strong case. <laughs> I'm sorry, I know. I'm such a bully, aren't I? I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, it's it's it actually really interests me because I think two of the best platform games ever made are um, Retro Studios' Donkey Kong games, Donkey Kong Country Returns, and Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Right? Yep. I think they're two, literally two of the most like well designed, well thought out 2D platforms ever made, and they, they're on the Wii, Wii U, and now the Switch. But it's so it fascinates me that. They don't have a single memorable enemy or character or boss in it other than the Kongs themselves who were already designed by Rare years earlier, you know, or Nintendo. Yeah. I just think it's so fascinating to kind of create a big, bright garage 2D platform and just kind of drop the ball on every kind of character design. Because I don't remember anything. I remember the games being really good. Yeah. But I, I think Crash has a little bit of that. Maybe I've kind of taught myself out of it a, a little bit. And Rio yeah. is a good character. And and Engine. And, and, and Jin, not a good character. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wrong, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I, I think it's it maybe skews towards the, the Donkey Kong Country issue, but not to that same degree. Skews. I don't think it's like, I don't think they're like these iconic characters. Like, are there people, are there adults grown going out there buying a plushie of Dr. Enbrio, you know? Because there certainly are ones buying plushies of Yoshi, you know? Yep, I think that, that's I a sobering thought, Kevin. Definitely, definitely ones of Sonic and Rose and oh Rouge God. and Shadow and Tails and Big and Cream. You know an awful lot of those names. I'm a fan, man. I am a fan. And on that note, will we wrap it up, Kev? I think that's as good a point as any to leave it. As long as I've been doing this podcast, I've wanted to do a Crash Bandicoot episode. Actually, not true. Didn't even consider it until you mentioned it. But I actually, <laughs> but I actually, re- <laughs> actually really enjoyed this one, and I do love Crash Bandicoot, and I hope yeah. any Crash Bandicoot fan listening enjoyed it too. So I guess we'll leave it there. Hey, if you can just check it, check us out on Instagram and Twitter. Um, give us a follow. Tell your friends if you enjoyed this podcast. That would be fantastic. I believe I don't know what the story is, but I believe Owen is is married. He's a married man now. Oh, and um, I believe congratulations, Owen. Congratulations, Owen. Woo! I believe he'll be um, at some point giving me a message saying he wants to like do an episode again, and he'll be more than welcome. And um, maybe we do one for maybe do one of three of us, Kev. That might be fun. Yeah, I do. But for now, thanks for listening, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye. Expect to be talking about fucking Pete Townsend's child pornography. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I never knew that. Oh, is it yeah. Pete Townsend? I gotta look that up now. So I'm not taking that out, like. But did he see? Do the I, in my head, I thought it was Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo because I know he had done video game 
soundtracks, but I wasn't sure. Oh, it's not him. <laughs> it's not him. <laughs> Who is it? Who is it? Hold on. Stuart Copeland. Stuart Copeland from the police. The police. Oh. I, do, I do just want to say on record that to the best of my knowledge, Stuart Copeland does not have any um, arrests or convictions for anything ZD. Oh, unreal. I'm actually still recording, so I'll leave this in. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, ridiculous. Oh, that's so embarrassing. <laughs>